All right, I'm gonna kind of get started. We are, if, if this is your first week here, we're in a series on, on Christian ethics, how to think, act, believe. How do we know what's good and what's right? And we've been kind of technical lately. There's, uh, we've, we've talked about what non-Christians believe. I need to get out of the um, projector here. And part of the reason we're spending time on this is that we live in a culture that is full of beliefs. We're, very, we're a very moral culture. Christians look at our culture and we say, we're, we live in a very immoral culture. Well, yes, in one sense, in the biblical sense, but we live in a culture that's obsessed with morality. With, we're obsessed with telling other people what is good or what is right. But the, here's the thing. Most people haven't really thought about why things might be right or good. And so we're, spent, we've, we're spending these weeks and we're going to get to what God's Word says, which is going to be our authority, as you'll see today. Um, but we're spending time on this so that you know why you think the way you think as a Christian, and you know why there are weaknesses with the way those around you think or don't think the way they do. So we've, we've gone over, Pastor Dave has gone over a series, we've got these uh, these categories, we've got um, existential ethics, which is the motives of the heart. We've got teleological ethics, which is wanting the end of everything to be to a good end. Working a good action is one that leads to a good end. And then last week he talked about deontology, which is universal rules that should apply across all cultures. And, and everybody knows that there's an element in tr of truth in all those. But the problem is, nobody can do it consistently. Nobody can live up to their own ethical standard. But the Bible, amazingly, is the only world, it's going to give us the only worldview that actually treats all of those as important. Not saying ignore the rules, not saying ignore the ends, not saying ignore the motives. It says all that matters. So here we're, we're going to talk about the normative perspective. I'm going to pray. And the normative perspective is John Frame's words for, John Frame is a philosopher and theologian, um, for the Christian deontological position, which means how do we get our rules as Christians? What, is there, is there, are there rules that apply everywhere? So let me, let me pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you care about what is good and what is right. And Lord, we, we're thankful that you have not left us without guidance. Lord, we're, we confess that so often we act in ways or think in ways without thinking, honestly, without knowing or thinking about how you might be directing us. And so we're, we're grateful that we can learn more about this. We pray that this would help us to grow in our appreciation for Jesus as our Savior grow in our appreciation for the, the Christians around us in this church and, and throughout history and in other churches. And you would help us to be humble people who are committed to doing the right thing. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've got this picture up there of a ruler. 
And a ruler, this one is a bad example, I just realized. I should have looked a little more carefully. Rulers usually go to 12 inches. 12 inches. What is 12 inches? Measurement of a foot. Are you going to say that, Zabel? Nice. So, 12 inches is a foot. But was that always the case? Depending on where you were and when you lived, a foot as a unit of measurement differed. So how would you like it to th- how would you like it to go and say, yeah, you know, I'm going to buy this piece of property and it's so many feet by so many feet. And then you find out that the person who measured that property used smaller feet than you thought. You got a smaller piece of property. You got ripped off. So what we had, what, what ended up happening is people, be, there's, there's this whole unit, there's this whole, and the government has it now, but we standardize. There is a unit of measure so that a foot here means the same thing as a foot in Montana, which means the same thing as a foot in Puerto Rico, which means the same thing as a foot in Africa, which means the same thing as a foot on the moon. Uh, This foot, this measurement applies everywhere. It's the same everywhere. And the normative perspective, and so we have these things called a ruler. This ruler functions as a standard. Well, in, in Christian ethics, we have this view called the normative perspective, and it's talking about rules. It's talking about norms. So, and this is a definition, a norm is a rule or standard that determines the ethical rightness or wrongness, the goodness or badness of any person, action, or attitude. So the reason why this is important is the next slide. It's going to work. Come on. There we go. All right. So we have now this idea that a foot is the same. Somebody has determined that a foot is the same no matter where you measure it. The same unit of measure. The question is, with Christian ethics, if a norm is what determines what's right or wrong, what's good or bad, who determines that? It's got this picture of Spider-Man there, the two Spider-Man saying, like, who are you? Does does Spider-Man A determine what's good, or does Spider-Man B determine what's good? Who Who determines the standard of goodness or badness? Question to you. Who determines the norm? Jesus. Good Sunday school answer. God would work. The answer is God. So we know, and what we'll see in just a second, so this is really remarkable. This seems obvious. But it's actually pretty noteworthy that God actually determines what is right or wrong, what is good or bad. What's important to know is that a what cannot do that. This is what you this is really important for you to know. A what cannot determine what is good or bad. And I have this little phrase under there, it's called the naturalistic fallacy. Let me explain what that is. What's can tell us the way things are. They can tell us the way uh, something is. They cannot tell us the way something ought to be. 
Okay, so the universe, let's talk about, well, let's talk about nature for a second. Did you know those cuddly little bunnies that we all love so much, sometimes give as to our grandkids or children on Easter, did you know that sometimes rabbits will eat their own young? Did you know that? You thought they were herbivores, but they eat their own young. Nature, nature can tell us that parents sometimes eat their own young. Can nature tell us that parents ought to eat their own young? Can't really. We tell things the way things are, but they can't tell us the way things ought to be. And so this is really noteworthy because only the God of the Bible is able to do that. Here's why. So we need what Frame calls a personal absolute. So you need a person to be able to tell you the way things ought to be. Because a what is not a person. The universe is not a person. Um, the nature, not a person. They can tell you the way things are. Can't tell you the way things ought to be. But it needs to be, that person needs to be absolute. And what I mean by that is, personal absolute is a person who is not subjected to anything else. Okay, so here's the problem. We realize that Pastor Dave pointed out in weeks past. If we have just existential ethics, what our motives are, which really matter, or we have just what the results of an action are, everything becomes subjective. Everything. So maybe it's wrong for me to steal from you, but maybe it's not wrong for her to steal from you. Everything becomes subjective. So an absolute is someone who's above all the subjects. He's not subject to anyone else. You need a ruler. You need someone who is above everyone, everything, all the time. And he needs to be personal to be able to tell you the way things ought to be. Only the God of the Bible is this. So if we think for a second about... Um, Let's think pantheism. Those of you, so pantheism is the belief, and very popular in our culture, whether people realize it or not, that God is identical to the universe. So you hear people say, like, the universe has a purpose for this. The, the, universe, the universe has some intention for you. I, you know, I, I, good vibes out from the universe. Well, the problem is, is the universe is not a person can't tell you the way things ought to be. Well, let's think about Mormonism for a second. Yesterday, I was kind of rejoicing a little bit, maybe self-righteously. My favorite basketball team, the UCLA Bruins, beat the BYU Cougars last night. Um, maybe a little picture of God's kingdom. I don't know. But anyhow. Um, yeah, yeah, go Bruins. So, so not to pick on Mormons too much. But what's interesting about Mormons is if you investigate them a little bit, they're actually polytheists. They actually believe there's more than one God out there. Okay? 
So if you read the Book of Mormon and you're being told by their God how to behave, here's the question. What if there's another God out there who's over that God telling you not to behave that way? See, maybe the God, the Mormon God, maybe he's subject to someone else. There, there needs to be somebody who's over everything to be able to tell you what's right and what's wrong. Has to be someone who's a person who's, who is not subject to anyone or anything to be able to have norms. And so the, the problem is, so, so most ethicists, most people believe you know, if that's the case, I don't really believe in a personal absolute, so probably there's no such things as norms. There's no such things as commands that apply everywhere, all the time. But if we do not have a personal absolute, we cannot have ethics, because all decisions become subjective. If everything becomes subjective, there is no right or wrong. Just how you feel. But we know that some things are evil. So I got this little picture of this guy, this guy over here in the tie looks a little bit like me, dark hair, big, big mouth. Um, and this, this thief, dressed all in black, steals his idea. And he runs off, makes money from it. Is it wrong? You have this great idea. You're working on getting a patent for it. You're going to make a fortune. And the neighbor comes and steals your blueprints, applies for his own patent, makes a fortune. Is it wrong that he does that? We know it's wrong, don't we? When we hear about people kidnapping, other, kidnapping children, employing them in certain avenues, war or whatever, we know it's wrong. We know that. And so we know deep down that, there, that these norms exist. So that's God speaking to our hearts, saying, I exist. I'm out there. And you know what? I'm able to tell you what's good or, or bad, what's right or wrong. Any questions with this? It's hard for me to gauge whether you're understanding it or not. Steve? Determined or determined for God? Determines or determines. Meaning, does he do it now? I'm trying to track your question here. Are you saying, has God already determined, or is he actively determining now? That's the question? Okay. The answer is yes. <laughs> because God is eternal. God doesn't change. So, and yet he's active in creation. So I, I would say determined would be helpful for us, um, our purposes, because he's written it down. So we need a personal absolute. We need someone who's on the throne over everyone else, over every culture, over every time period. And only the God of the Bible is that way. He is absolute, but he's also personal, so he's able to tell us how things ought to be. Any other questions? Anybody have questions on why the universe can't tell us the way things are, or ought to be, I should say? Allie, how do I need to be more clear? I'm clear? Oh, cool. My wife thinks I'm clear. Mm -hmm. 
like it. Mm, good question. Why don't you hold on to that thought? The, yeah, the, the, if for anybody who might be listening to the recording, the question is, are we responsible for figuring out what God has told us we ought to do? The answer to that I'm going to say is yes. But also, are we able to unless God reveals it? What were you going to say, Bill? Oh, I was waiting for that question. Yeah, that's a false dichotomy, but it's a classic, classic question, which is, does, again, for the recording, does God will something because it's good? Meaning, good exists out there, and God knows what good is, so then he tells us what it is. Well, then who's really God? Whatever this principle is, God is subject to some outside rule. He's not a personal absolute. So good is whatever aligns with God's purposes. He, he knows what's good. That's part of his character. And so um, he, he is good. And it's a, it's a common philosophical question. Does that mean everything that God says or does is good? Yes. Actually, yes. Lisa? Yep, the Holy Spirit is going to be very helpful. So we have this personal absolute. It's something no other worldview has. Nobody. So it means we're the only, we have the only worldview that can actually say stealing is wrong. Murder is wrong. And the worldviews that are parasites on biblical, on the God of the Bible, like Jehovah's Witnesses, Islam, they can kind of claim that, uh, but only because they've, they've stolen the way God has revealed himself. But only the, Bi- only the God of the Bible is a personal absolute. So the question is, do we have a God who claims to be in authority over everyone and over everywhere? And the answer is yes. So Deuteronomy 4.39, Know therefore today and lay it to your heart that the Lord is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. There is no other. If there is no other, then that means there is no God, other God that can tell our God what's good or right. There's only one God. There is no other. And so he is the absolute and he's personal, so he can tell us the way things ought to be and how we ought to think and ought to behave. Psalm twenty-two, twenty-eight: For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. So, very interesting. I was, what, anybody remember what year was the Beijing Olympics? How many years ago was that? It was 2016, did somebody say something like that? Uh, yeah, somewhere, somewhere around there, la- within the last decade. I was watching, I was reading this article, it's very interesting. And in China, I don't know if you know this, you probably do, they have dog meat factories. Eat a lot of dog in China. And there was this great celebration by animal rights activists that some of these professional athletes actually went into dog meat factories bought or stole dogs 
got them in cages, and shipped them to the United States to save, their, save the dogs' lives, let them live as pets, as man's best friends. And actually, I'm, I'm happy they did that. But the question was, it was a really interesting question because that, that came up in my mind. It says, that's Americans telling Chinese people how to live. That's Americans, and I think these athletes were white, so that would be a whole new argument in the, in the last several years. These white Americans telling these Asians what's okay to eat and what isn't. It was almost like the reporters and the athletes believe that right or wrong applies no matter where you are in the world. That it's wrong to eat dogs in the US and it's wrong to eat dogs in China. Like, norms actually exist. And we're told here that God rules over the nations. God can tell us it's not just wrong for you to steal in the United States where we have private property. It's also wrong for you to steal if you live in North Korea where it's collective property. Acts 17.30, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. So no matter who you are, where you live, God claims to have the authority to tell you what to do. He doesn't say, hey, God wants most people, most places, to repent. That's the right thing for them to do. It's the right thing for you to do if you live in the country, but it's not that important if you live in the city. God rules over everywhere, over everything. So he can tell us what's good and what's bad. And one of those good things is to repent. So God is the norm for Christians. Remember, a norm is a rule or standard that determines the ethical rightness or wrongness, the goodness or badness of any person, action, or attitude. So God can say to us, as he does in multiple places in Leviticus, but also in 1 Peter, be holy, for I am holy. So for you, when you want to know, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the good thing? You can ask yourself, am I copying God right now? Now, there are some things that God, as king, has the authority and pleasure to do. But God basically says, be like me, and you'll be good, and you'll do the right thing. Same thing in Ephesians 5.1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. So this should be really freeing to us as Christians. Everybody else... Every other worldview is trying to make sense of, okay, like, like I, I know deep down, like, this is wrong, like, I don't, uh, you know, it, but it's going to be hard for me to say, tell those people that that's wrong, because I know 
they're going to just think I'm imposing my morality on them. But I want to impose my morality on them, which we do, don't we? We all try to convince one another that something is good or bad. Elections. It's good to vote for this person, bad to vote for that person. We try to tell people that. We tell people it's good to use this mechanic, he's honest. Bad to use that mechanic, he's dishonest. Furthermore, it's bad for me as an advertiser to advertise for this criminal mechanic. Anybody have any questions about this? Well, about God being the ultimate standard of good, of right, anything like that, including to our attitudes. Bill. Very good. Yep. Yeah, so, so the Eastern religions do not have a personal God. So they cannot tell us the way things ought to be. They can, they can come up with theories about how the universe works. But the reality is, they can't really tell us the way we should behave. And that's why what's really interesting is, so you have, you have Buddhist monks who are famed for their pacifism of kneeling down and praying, uh, of not, not killing, uh, you, you see this sometimes with Hindus too, not killing the ant on the street because there's life in there. And that ant, you've got to preserve that so we'll only eat vegetables, we won't eat. And you know what sometimes they do to Christians in India? They kill them. Buddhist monks attack Christian missionaries. It is. It is. Right. No, I agree. Yeah. But we, so what I'm saying is we shouldn't be surprised that they have major ethical dilemmas. And we do too. But, we, but the problems we have is we just don't obey. And in many ways, we should point that out to, to Buddhists, that they're not living in line with their own thinking. But, yeah. Steve. Third citation, be imitators of God as beloved children. Is that what you're talking about? Or? No. Yeah, okay. So how does that factor into how we determine what we should do? No, God okay. God determining. God determining. You're, you're, I, Steve's a plant. <laughs> so got this guy here, the town crier. Imagine you're in the 1800s, 1700s. Someone marches into your town. These also existed in ancient Rome. Shouts, hear ye, hear ye. And then he tells you proclamation of the king. And he says, hear ye, hear ye. Let it be known from this day forward throughout all the lands uh, what should I, what can we say? Um, all citizens must own a horse. Okay, so you're sitting there, you're going like, man, I live in an apartment. Um, where am I going to put this horse? And the, and the question, and everybody, this, the news goes around like, hey, you got to get a horse. You got to buy a horse. And everybody's talking to one another 
And, and they're saying, well, okay, well, so who are we obeying right now? Are we obeying the town crier? He's the one that's telling us we have to obey a horse. No, no, maybe we're just obeying what's, what he's reading. Okay, well, yeah, I guess we kind of are. He, that's what he's sharing with us. But who are we ultimately obeying? We're obeying the king who issued the proclamation. So if God is the norm, he's a ruler, he rules by his word, he speaks and reveals what's good or bad, what's right or wrong. And so the same thing is happening in the Bible. So when we're trying to determine, when we look at being imitators of God, when we being holy like God is holy, we start to think like, um, how do we know? Sometimes God does some things that we don't understand. And the good news is, is that he's given us his word. So he rules by his word. So 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is breathed out by God. Everything in the Bible has come out from who God is and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete Equipped for every good work. So what that means is the word of God is profitable for telling us how to think. Teaching. That's right and wrong. For reproof. For correction. For telling people what you're doing is wrong. What you're doing is or saying or thinking is bad. It's a norm. So God is... is the norm, but he's ruling by his word. Psalm 119, 105, your, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So God is, is the norm. He rules. He's telling us the way thing, things ought to be. And he uses, that, he uses his word to guide us. Yeah, Brooke. So I would ask this, but you brought it up. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. How do we know it's translated? No, tr Bible translation is super important. The way we, we, we would do that is continue is to, to think about Jesus would be one of the ways we do that. And it becomes circular reasoning at some point or another because we're saying that the word is our highest authority. We can't, as soon as you say, well, the word is the highest authority, we know that because we've studied the way it was used throughout history. Well, what are we really, we've just transferred our authority from the Bible to history. Ultimately, we have to believe that. But here's the good news about the Word. Is that we know basically what 99% of the original words in the original languages actually were. And that other 1%, none of it really applies whatsoever to anything that would be a deal breaker. It's like minor little things. Like should we, like we don't know what this word was, but we know it, anything, we know it's not this, so it's, it's gotta say what's this. That's a, that's a whole other question, but it's a complicated one, it's one to think about. Any other thoughts? God ruling by his word? 
So here, here's a question. If God is the norm and God's word is the norm, could they ever be pitted against each other? No. No. So here's some attributes. This isn't a systematic theology uh, lesson, but it's important to think about aspects of the word and some of this relate. And, and this will help us think. So God's word is the norm. So it's, there's unity in it. So the Bible doesn't, doesn't really contradict itself. It's consistent. There's some, there's some tough things where you're thinking, like, how do these fit together? But Psalm 19 talks about God's word being true. So we can trust it. It's unified. When James, people, people say James, it's James versus Paul on justification. James teaches one thing, Paul teaches another thing. Let's just get rid of James, or let's just get rid of Paul. No, actually, if you do that, we, need, we just need to do some more study and see how it's unified. God's word has power. It can accomplish its purposes. That's why we preach, why we read the Bible. That's good news. God's word has power. God's word is authority. It has authority. Um, someone have 1 Corinthians 9, 8 and want to read that for us? 1 Corinthians 9, 8. Ah, so Paul's saying, hey, am I just making this up because I'm an apostle? Like, no. God's word says it. So it's, it, God's word has authority because it's God's word. It's not, it's not just a random book of rules. It's God's word. So there's authority in there. It has clarity. De- Deuteronomy 30, 11 through 14, God says, like, these, are, these commands are near to you, implying that you can understand them. They're not far off. They're, it's not, everything is not exactly clear. There's some things that are a little bit tougher than others, and we use the rule of faith. We use the very clear, important things to interpret the less clear, less important things. Scripture is necessary, Psalm 119, 105. We need it to guide us. We need it to direct us. And that goes back to your question, Steve, one of your first questions. Does God have a responsibility to reveal his will to us? I'm going to say, depends how you ask that. God owes us nothing. But God has given us the responsibility to be image bearers, so we should expect him to tell us how, how to live. Because he's good. Lisa, were you going to ask something? No? Yeah, go ahead. Read 119.105. Yeah. You guys ever really walked in darkness? Like, really? At the men's retreat this weekend, I, will, I didn't quite understand the layout of the cabins, the, the way the cabins were on the property. And I knew, I knew that my cabin was somewhere this way. And I thought my cabin was over here, and I started walking, and I'm seeing the sign of the 
cabins. I'm like, man, I know my cabin now is way over there. And so I'm, I'm walking that way, and, and it was, there was a moon out, it was, but there wasn't a lot of light. And I, and I finally figured out, okay, that's my cabin there, and I'm starting to walk, and I realized, like, this is really dark. It, it, I could step in a hole here. I could trip over a log. So I made the average human only has their foot one-eighth of an inch above the ground at any moment in time, usually when they're walking. But I started doing a little bit more of this as I was walking because it was dark. But God's word is a lamp. It's a light to us. It gets to tell us what's good and what's right, what's true. And God's word is sufficient. There's enough. God has told us enough in his word that we can be complete. Now we can make, it's good to learn what science says. It's good to learn even what psychology says. There's all kinds of things like that. But God's word has told us enough. So God's word is the norm. Well, we'll I'm not sure how much further I want to go today. I guess we'll stop here. That means that God's word is the law for Christians. I'm going to get those. I'm going to open up with this tomorrow. Or next week, I mean. But God's word is the law. And that's really actually good news. Because deep down, we want to know what's right. And we want to know what's true. So think about, imagine for a second, you are... You were raised in this crazy culture um, called the 20th or 21st century United States. Just a crazy culture. And uh, in that culture, we have this thing we call science, right? And, we, and you look at the headlines, and it says, science says, fill in the blank. It says that about everything. The right diet. The, uh, I mean, it's, it's actually pretty remarkable if you start paying attention what they tell you science can tell you. And so we, we have elevated this idea of particularly naturalistic philosophy of, of science, which is a good thing, to the, the place of God. But here's a question. Should scientists... When they're doing science, doing experiments, should they be honest about what they find? Why? Why would it be important for scientists to be honest, Gladys? Yeah, that would be a problem. That's misleading. Yeah. Yeah. So, so even scientists have to believe in some ethical principle like truth. Well, then the scientific method says it's not about what you want the outcome to be, it's mm-hmm. about what the truth is. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. So there so we're but here's the interesting thing. Most scientists now they don't necessarily believe in universal morals. They believe in we're products of Evolution, a fight to survive, fight to do whatever you can to survive, fight to help your tribe survive. Sometimes it's really helpful to help your tribe survive is to lie. 
or kill the neighboring tribe, go to war with them. So scientists, even those that, they, they know that they ought to do some things the right way. But they can't say why. Can't really say why. Jim. Sure, yeah. 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 So, yeah, why, why, is it, why would it be wrong for foreign governments to send anthrax, blow up? We, we might just say, well, yeah, what sort of ethical principle would be like, yeah, you know, we'd really appreciate it if you guys didn't do that. Like, you know, we don't want to impose our rules on you. We know that you guys have your own history and your own worldview, and we just don't want to offend you. So please, please don't do that. You know, we'd, we'd really rather you not, um, yeah, send those letters to, to the daycares around the United States. No, deep down we go, no, that's wrong. There's consequences. Don't do that. We know that there has to be norms that, that apply everywhere. If, if there is right or wrong, there's got to be someone who determines it. Any other? Bill. One of the big problems we're facing right now is exactly what we talked about, Brenda. As uh, we increasingly become secular, we walk up to the standards. Yep. And as a result, uh, our social institutions like the media and the government are run by the Yep. And as a result of it, we can't trust. We're, we're losing all trust and confidence mm -hmm. in our social institutions because there's no standards. Yeah. And so we, we want this. We want there to be someone who can really tell us what's right and what's wrong. And the God of the Bible is the only one who really can. can only one, he's the only one that can really tell us the way we ought to behave the way we ought to think and ought to live. And thankfully, he's also spoken to us. I don't know how many more minutes I've got. A couple more minutes. Any more comments, questions? Jim. Yep. No. No. And, and what's, what's great about God is he's willing to say the hard things, isn't he? He's willing, he's willing to actually say, that's evil. And that should free us as his image bearers. At times to be able to say like, no. What's, what's happening to women in Africa? or children in Thailand, or babies in the womb, it's wrong. It's evil. And we can, we can follow God's example. We can imitate him in that way. Yeah. Yep. 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 
Mm -hmm. And we didn't know him. He found us through Stephen Church. Yeah. And he gave us his word. Yeah. Yeah, and it is such good news that he has done that, that he's spoken, that he continues to reveal himself, and, and that he wants, and what's amazing is making the right decision, doing good things versus bad things, it brings us joy. It makes us happy. And it protects us. And so it's really good that God is, is really ruling over everyone and everything and over all time. There's a norm. Yeah, Judy. Well, I was just thinking about this has huge implications in the whole schedule. It does. Yes. Yep. Yep. And the and the what what are you gonna say if somebody who's transgender says like who are you to tell me whether I'm Sam or Susie? And then you have to ask that we are Susie Susie perked up back there. Sam perked up like what <laughs> I, I was just choosing names, guys. You, uh, uh, but go ahead, Judy, finish. It is. And, you know, science today yeah. and our culture is not going to go to the word of God and it's so opposed to what's going on now. Yeah. Are we going to come to a place where the Bible will be outlawed? Right. It might. It might. It might. And, and the good news, the, so the really good news is if somebody ever tells you, who are you to tell me? The answer is, you're nobody. And you can say that. I'm nobody, but there is one who can tell you who you are, what you are, the way you ought to behave. And I'm just telling you what he said. It's a hear ye, hear ye situation. And they can shoot the messenger, and that might happen. Um, but all right, let me pray. Lord, we're thankful that you are personal. You can be known. Oh, God, that's such good news. And we're thankful that you are absolute. You are not subject to anyone. When we obey you, we don't have to worry if, if maybe we're breaking the commands of someone else who will harm us. We know that when we obey you, that blessing will follow and that you can be the ultimate standard of truth. You are our norm. We pray that we would be holy because you are holy. We pray that we would be imitators of you. We pray that we would... Lord, thrive on your word, knowing that you're speaking to us through it. We pray that we would listen to it in the coming hour, and we would sing it, and we would rejoice in it. We're thankful that you are God, and you are not ashamed to call us your people. In Jesus' name, amen.